Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. I want to talk a little bit about our harvest today. Harvest of blessings. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. And running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now what does good measure mean? Does that mean enough just to get by, enough to uh, be wealthy, enough to prosper? The word good there means, it, it's a descriptive word signifying that which is beautiful, pleasing, acceptable, excellent, serviceable, attractive, and honest. Good. Good measure. All those things. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Father, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you. We magnify you and we bless you. We thank you as always for your blessed, holy word. We thank you for the anointing upon this word. Father, we ask you for ears to hear your word, our hearts to receive it, and our minds to be open to the glorious light of it. Thank you, Father. We believe you today as a group and stand in agreement for utterance in the Holy Spirit to proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free, not just today in this service, but throughout the coming days, weeks, months, and years, should Jesus tarry. Terry, we thank you again for your love poured out in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for, uh, for the blood of Jesus. We speak it. We apply it. We sprinkle it. We appropriate it. We plead it. We honor and highly esteem that precious blood that still flows from Calvary. We hold that blood against the devil in every area of our lives and the lives of our families. We thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Any tongue that rises in judgment will condemn, will prove wrong, for that's the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and our righteousness is of you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you again. We believe you today, according to Mark eleven twenty four, for revelation, heart knowledge of your word for each of us and everybody who listens to this message. We thank you. Father, that as your word is revealed, the Holy Spirit teaches us, infills us, indwells us, leads us, and guides us into all truth, teaches us all things, brings all things to our remembrance whatsoever we've heard. We thank you that he's our counselor, comforter, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby helper, teacher, and guide. So we honor you today. We love you and we bless you. We thank you. We need no man to teach us. We're taught by your Holy Spirit who lives within us as believers. So we honor you. We thank you and praise you. We thank you that our teaching, witnessing, ministering is not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of your spirit and power so that our faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in your power, the power of the living God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, there's a lot of talk all the time about the prosperity message. 
People call it a message. It, I don't know why that somebody has to come against something that's in the Bible. Probably because they haven't read the Bible. They haven't studied the Bible. They haven't studied about prosperity. God wants us to prosper. You know, if you've just read a certain few scriptures on it, you can understand that it's a message that he wants us to get. We've looked uh, before Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you observe to do according to all that's written in it. So then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. If he didn't want us to be prosperous, he wouldn't tell us how. Would he? I mean, what kind of a God would tell us how to do something and not expect us to act on it, not expect us to be prosperous? So, you know, that, and Joshua being the Old Testament, you know, we can't get around it because Jesus says right here, give and it'll be given to you. How do we prosper? By giving. Give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom. Running over. That means you'll have a full supply. Prosperity, in definition, is, is basically a full supply. We think that we have to be millionaires to be prosperous. Or, you know, baseball players or football players. No, it's a full supply. And I rarely speak on anything about giving here because we've always been, we've always had excellent giving records. We've been good givers. Everybody knows how to give. It's not something that, you know, it's like preaching on uh, salvation every week when, when you have a church full of believers. Uh, so it's, it's not always necessary. Some people, some ministers will preach an entire offering message prior to the regular message. And some of them last a long time. You know, I won't mention any names, but these are good ministers. Not, you know, not that it's a bad thing, but, uh, you know, when it's... <laughs> When you're ministering, you know, they call that preaching to the choir. Well, we don't need to preach to the choir. For one thing, we don't have a choir. But, I, you know, we don't need to, to give the message to somebody that already is doing the Word. Uh, we need to go on to things where we need to learn. We can always learn more. But, you know, that this is not something that we, we beat people over the head with. We'll never do that. Um, like I said, prosperity is a full supply. And we have it. And uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit. But, uh, you know, when Jesus says it here, the, the commentary here puts a finger on it. It says, God rewards unselfish giving to those in need with boundless liberality. Boundless liberality. Well, we need our, our daily needs met. We need to supply uh, others out there. We need to give to the poor. We need to give to ministries that are preaching the word. So we do that. We have enough to do that. But the thing is that we need to see here is that we need to expect, we should expect to receive a harvest from our giving. Not just throw it out there. You know, I told you of times in the past when we were young in the Lord, uh, we, we knew that we should be tithing. But our denominational church that we grew up in didn't teach on it. And our, you know, our family had never 
spoken much about it. I remember one family member told me one time uh, they had a you know they had a a job in a you know in a union and a, a real good paying job. And this person said, "I know it'd be hard for you and your family, but I said we give." They said we give five dollars a week. I know that might be hard for you, but you know, it, it's good to give. That's about the only teaching I ever got on it. It was wrong teaching. We were already tithing at that time. I thought, $5 a week. And I had a fairly decent job. And, we, you know, the tithe was a lot more than $5. And, you know, it, it's, it's not an amount necessarily. Because the Bible says that, you know, that God loves the cheerful giver. But we give from, you know, our, our, our first fruits. It's a percentage. We should expect a harvest from our giving. Expect it. Oral Roberts said, you know, the great minister said, our giving is no longer a debt that we owe, but a seed that we sow. He was big on seed faith. He taught a lot on seed faith. You know, and a lot of people talk about tithing as paying tithes. And I've heard Brother Hagin say it a lot of times, you know, uh, Paying tithes. But I, you know, I don't think it's a good phrase because it's not a bill that we pay. You know, if we look at it that way, uh, out of necessity, fine. But we don't pay a bill. It's something that we should do cheerfully and expect to receive a harvest from. Why? Because giving and receiving belong together. Giving and receiving belong together. I mean, Jesus said it. We don't have to go much further than this to see it. Given, it'll be given to you. Luke 6, 38. Good measure pressed down, shaken together. Running over will be put into your bosom. Running over. Whatever, however you measure, it's going to be measured back to you. Only when we give are we in a position to expect to receive a harvest. There's people out there wanting their harvest, but they're not giving. You know, and I, I know of people like that. Jesus said it'd be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Not, not just, you know, well, you know, you'll get your needs met the last minute. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul writing to the church at Corinth, of course, his second letter to them beginning with verse 6 you know he talks in the previous verses about them preparing themselves Second Corinthians chapter 9 I'm sorry I hope I didn't put six on your sheet, Bill. I did. No, that's Luke six. Imagine that. Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse six. Like I said, in the previous five verses here, he's talking about uh, ministering to the saints. He he says, "I know your willingness." about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was 
ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. So he says down here in verse 6, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Same thing Jesus said, right? Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure. He who sows bountifully or with blessings will also reap bountifully or with blessings. The law of sowing and reaping. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. Not like you're paying a bill or getting your teeth pulled. Not grudgingly or of necessity or compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful in the Greek is hilaros. It's where we get our word hilarious. Strong's 2431 in the Greek. Willing, good-natured, joyfully ready. Joyfully ready. The word describes a spirit of enjoyment in giving that sweeps away all restraints. The English word hilarious is a transliteration. God loves a hilarious, cheerful, joyful giver. He goes on to say, God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. There's the good work again. Same word good that we looked at already. An abundance for every good work. Doesn't mean you have to give your last dime. It says you'll have an abundance for every good work. As it is written in Psalm 112, uh, word for word, in verse 9, He is dispersed abroad. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Dispersed abroad, given to the poor. Now may... He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you've sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. He's just not talking to the Corinthian church here. He's talking to all of us. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us all. While you're enriched in everything for all liberality, verse 11, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. All men. All men and by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Praise God. Thanks be to God for Jesus. And thanks be to God for this instruction in his word. We're to give cheerfully, hilariously, joyfully, and make it an act of worship and praise. Praise God. Cheerful. Cheerful. 
Liberal sharing with all men, it says in verse 13. So how do, you know, how do we go about that? Now I know many of you have uh, people that you support, ministers that you support. We do too. We have people in, in the mission field that we like to, to send to. I, I particularly have a heart. This is just me personally. I, I don't know why. But when I see a lady, woman, lady, minister, who's out there on her own ministering, who's, you know, either lost their husband or never been married, and I, you know, I, knew, I know a few of those, I like to send them support. Not because of any other reason, but I think it's, it's harder for women ministers. It simply is. I mean, you know, we've had a lot of them come here in the past, you know, I know a couple of them have retired. Hopefully they've retired. I haven't heard anything from them in a couple of years, several years, but, you know, I hope they're still alive and, and ministering the gospel. But, uh, you know, their message is the same. It's the same as men. You know, we're, <laughs> we're not listening to a different message. You know, if they came in here and preached some nonsense, I wouldn't want them here if they were women or men. But, the, you know, that's not the case. But, uh, you know, we see this liberal sharing with all men, and we do that. But how do we do that as a church? You know, we've always, I've always had the desire in the last 23 years to, uh, to be givers as a church, and we are. We've always tithed as a church, and... and Looking at the financial report that now Jean so graciously does every year and has done ever since the church started and before we were here, uh, it came to my attention, and I'm not a math whiz, but it came to my attention that we, the church, tithes more than 10%. And I'm the happiest person in the world when I see that. If you look at our, our financial statement, and I... I meant to make some copies in case anybody wanted them. But I have one here, and you're welcome to look at it, or I'll make you a copy. Uh, if you look at it, our tithes go to several ministries, not just to one. They go to Faith to Faith International. Of course, that's Sister Seventy Pack. Glasgow Christian Academy. Hope Center for Women. And Montgomery Ministries. In different amounts to each one. You know, we've talked about over the years and, and lowered some and raised some and, and done other things. And we've taken some off that were on there. Our tithing, giving to those ministries, those four ministries, was $5,400. Now, that doesn't sound like a ton of money in this day and age, but that's uh, over 20%. Now, if you add on are giving to guest speakers, missions, and individuals. That's 1290.66. That comes out to 29.9% of our income as a body. Our total tithes, gifts, and offerings, 22,357.50. So if you divide that by that number, you get 29.9, or almost 30%. You know, I... I'm elated when I see that number because it takes a lot to keep a building going, 
to pay the electric, and now a, a gas bill that's tripled, uh, not because we're using more, because the amount went up, and uh, insurance, uh, other things that are, are general costs. You know, these uh, are uh, computer, our uh, projector. projector. <laughs> Couldn't think of the word projector there for me. Our projector, other things. There's just so many things in, in keeping the building up. You know, we, we could have put in new carpet probably several years ago, but we opted to put these down when we had Nancy's service in here. I, I don't mind the carpet in here at all. It's, it's We keep it clean. And, and you know, there's no reason to just rip it out to rip it out. I know there's a couple marks back there that were burned with uh, acid cleaner. I kind of like to keep those here because Nancy did that. It's kind of her trademark. She accidentally spilled some things. So we couldn't, couldn't get it out, burned the carpet. So, you know, I look at that and think of her and, and all the blessings she was to this body. And, and we, we think of these things and we look at it from the standpoint and, and I'm not blowing our horn as a church. I'm not saying, yeah, look at us. You know, we give this, we give that. Because our, our giving, you know, unless our income goes up, our giving doesn't go up that much on a yearly basis or down. Because uh, we're tithers. We believe in tithing and that's what we do. Look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. And there's a lot of things in this chapter. But I just want us to see the first part of this. It says, Take heed that you don't do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Now, we've never bragged to people what we give. In fact, I don't even look at it personally. I take the offering up to the bank or somebody takes it. I don't open it and see who gave what. Uh... When I was in the savings and loan business, we used to, our, our savings and loan used to do a lot of church renovations and remodeling and purchases. We were known for that. We had Christians on our board. Our president was a Christian. Of course, I was a Christian at the time. And, and people came to us from as far away as uh, Youngstown, Ohio, which was about 30, 40 miles, to get their church remodeled. Some of them, and we told them we had to have a financial statement, which this this would have done, but some of them printed out everything that everybody gave and put their names on it and everything. I kind of laughed because I didn't need to see that. But I look, I didn't know the people. I look and see, you know, well, John Doe didn't give anything. They put zeros on there when somebody didn't give. So, but we don't do that here. We don't toot our own horn. Verse 2 says, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, don't sound a trumpet. Don't toot your horn before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. That's the only reward they're going to get. But you, when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Praise God. We've never put an ad in the paper telling how much we give. That your charitable deed may be in secret, and that your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. I'm just stating facts here. 
by Scripture. We've had people to give $1,000. We've had people to give uh, $5,000 in one offering. We've had people to give 10000 when they sold their house and, you know, broke up housekeeping. We've had people give $40,000 in one offering when we bought this building. We've had people to give pennies. It, and God sees your heart. And see, it's just like the lady uh, that, you know, the widow's two mites, she gave everything she had. Percentage was a percentage. It wasn't based on amounts. You know, we, we as a church, and if you, if you looked at the financial statement, you see that we've got in our savings $11,667.41 at the end of December. And we, we've used that over the years to fall back on things. We've put two furnaces and an air conditioner in recent years and paid cash for it. We don't owe anything as a body other than our monthly bills. We have, but sometimes we get the small church syndrome. You know, there's six adults here today. Somebody would say, well, that's a small church. I've counted, if we had everybody here, including, you know, Eddie and his family who live far enough away that they couldn't drive here every weekend, but we still consider them, you know, part of this body. Uh, you know, others, John and Kayla work most every Sunday. People that you know, can't be here every Sunday that, you know, Josh and, and Jamie work every other weekend and have to sleep because they have to go out Sunday night to work. There, there's people that aren't here right now. If we counted everybody and the church mice and everybody else, we, we'd have 23 people, 23 actual quote-unquote members. We've had more than that over the years. Some people moved, you know, moved to Arizona, moved here, moved there. Some people went on to be with the Lord. But right now, if we counted the maximum, everybody was here, 23. The small church syndrome does not exist here, though, because if there was one person here, we'd still be preaching the word, and I want us to see something. We'd still be ministered to as individuals. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 30. We'll close with this. You know this story. We've looked at it before. But we need to be expecting to receive as a body. Why? We'll see that here in a minute. Verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great they didn't kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with them lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites and Abigail, the widow of Nabal and Carmelite, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Strengthened himself in the Lord. 
And that's what we do when something happens that seems like a disaster. We need to strengthen ourselves with the Lord. But we go on. Verse 7. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? We've talked about that in the past five weeks. We need to inquire of the Holy Spirit and listen to his leading. Shall we do this? Shall we do that? Let him lead you. And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. That's pretty good news. So David went. This is what I want us to see. He and the 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Bezor, where they stayed, those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezor. Weary from weeping, weary, you know, from whatever. 200 stayed behind. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water, gave him a piece of cake, of figs, two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread, nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong? Where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind, because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah, and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me in the hands of my master, and I'll take you down to this troop. So when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing. What does the Bible tell us in Romans? Kingdom of God isn't meat or drink, but righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. They were eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines, from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight till the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil, or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, This is David's spoil. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Bezor. So they went out to meet David, to meet the people who were with him, when David came near the people, he greeted them. He asked them concerning their welfare. He cared about them, right? They didn't help him. Only 400 went. Now listen to this, verse 22. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they didn't go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and child 
that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered us into our hand, the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? You know the answer to that. But as his part is, who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be, who stays by the supplies, stays by the stuff. They shall share and get one-tenth of a point. No, they shall share alike. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Are we spiritual Israel? We absolutely are. If you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Thank God we are. Because that ordinance applies to us. You know, everything that we give here at Redeeming Love Church, our tithe, as I said, goes to four entities, four ministries, good ministries. We don't just throw it out there to everybody in, the, in their brother in need. We find out about ministries. We know our ministries that we support. Uh, Faith, Faith International, Glasgow Christian Academy, Hope Center for Women, Montgomery Ministries. Everybody that they minister to, everybody that's born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, set free, ministered to in any way in those ministries, you have a part, you share alike. Like Brother Jim, Sister Stephanie, everybody at the school, everybody at the Hope Center, ministers to people, you're a part of it. An equal part. You know, and you look at this opening and you think, well, that's kind of odd, you know. Those people didn't do anything but stay by the supply. The odd thing here is that these wicked and worthless men got their share. That, to me, is the odd thing. David said, my brethren, you know, what you say ain't true. I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing that. But it's not. It's not true. He said, that's not the way it's going to be. This is the way it's going to be. And it's going to be that way forever. And it's that way today. Praise God. Thank God. You know, when we're talking about tithing, people argue. You know, even, even pull out 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and say, uh, you give according to, you know, what you want to give, you know, the Bible says that. Give as you're, you know, you're led in your heart. Well, Hebrews 7, 8 talks about tithing, and that's the New Testament. The Bible talks about Melchizedek, and it talks about Abraham, and it talks about here, mortal men, men who die, receive tithes. But there it's received of those who witness that he lives. So tithing is just as New Testament as it is old. And, and I like the tithing where it comes up to 30%. You know, I, I would dearly love to do that personally. I know Brother Mark Hankins talks about that. The Lord led him to do that. And he's been blessed in his life and ministry all these years. Like anything in our Christian walk, we should constantly be expecting. Expecting to receive a harvest. You know, if we plant a garden, a physical garden... We expect to receive whatever we plant. Don't, we don't plant and say, well, it's not going to come up. 
Well, it won't if you don't keep it watered and, and weeded and fertilized and all the other things that we do. It won't. And if you say it, it won't. We should be expecting a harvest from everything we plant. Giving and receiving belong together. We're cheerful givers here at Redeeming Love Church. And we'll stay that way. We have nothing to be ashamed about or, or to think about a small church syndrome or how many people are here, how many people come on a weekly or monthly basis. We don't count numbers. We look at the percentage. And we'll continue to do that. And thank God for it. It makes me happy. I, I hope it makes you happy. You know, and, and like I said, we're not tooting our own horn. We don't tell anybody. We just do it and know that it pleases God. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you and we bless you. Thank you for the privilege. We consider it a privilege, an act of worship and praise to give into your kingdom. And we'll keep doing it as long as we walk this earth. Thank you. And we'll keep uh, acting in your behalf in everything that we do, expecting, expecting a harvest. Jesus told us to. Paul told us to. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you told us to. So we will. We love you. We praise you. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If you're out there and you say, well, I, you know, I can't expect anything because I don't give because I'm not even a Christian. Or, you know, I've given a few dollars here and there maybe, but I didn't know anything about it. Well, you need to learn about it. And you need to be a Christian. This day and age that we live, there's no time to wait. You need to do it now. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Come to Jesus today. Pray this prayer with us. And you'll be in his kingdom. And you can learn his kingdom principles uh, every day. There's much we don't know. But there's much more that we do know. And we know to study the word. Stay in the word. If we confess with our mouth, Lord Jesus, believe in our heart. God raised him from the dead. We'll be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. All those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10, Romans 10, 13. Pray this prayer with us, won't you? Come into his kingdom. Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. Jesus said in your word that if we come, you won't cast us out. So I come to you now. I ask forgiveness for all my past sins. I repent of them today in Jesus' name. Jesus, come into my heart as my Savior, and I make you the Lord of my life. Thank you, Father. I'm now your child. I'm born again, born from above. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to overflowing, and I'll speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives me utterance. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for filling me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, get to a good church. One who teaches the unadulterated word of truth. A word-doing, word-living, word-teaching, word-acting church. Stay in the word. Follow 
uh, those who with faith and patience inherit the promises. That's what the Bible says. Listen to ones who are teaching the word, whether you listen on, on TV or online or on YouTube, Roku, anywhere that ministers are ministering. Listen to ones teaching the full gospel. Get into a good daily devotional. Stay in the word. Keep it before your eyes. Don't let it depart from your heart. It's life or medicine, or medicine to those who find it in health and healing to all their flesh. Praise God. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.